Hi, folks. Welcome to the Man Overseas Podcast. I appreciate you being here. I'm always trying to have people on who are doing big things with their life. And my guest today easily fits that criterion. His name is Nathan Hirsch. He is the founder and CEO of FreeUp, which is a marketplace connecting business owners with virtual assistants and freelancers. And I think that's so interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on. He's been very successful in the e-commerce and digital marketing space. In fact, he started his first business out of his college dorm room in 2006. So looking forward to a chat with a guy who's been doing big things online. A lot of people dream about building an e-commerce business or even just growing their influence or following. And Nate is great about sharing exactly how he's been so successful. So let me welcome Nathan Hirsch to the show. Nate, welcome to the Man Overseas Podcast. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. You're from Orlando, is that right? Yeah, I live in Orlando now, but I'm from Massachusetts originally. I lived there for until I went to college and went to lived, I went to Quinnipiac University, which is in Connecticut. Lived in Connecticut for a year after college, and then moved to Florida. Ah, that's so interesting. Quinnipiac is something I always see when it when it's election time. They have a popular yeah, they do all the polls. <laughs> yeah, and I never knew how to pronounce that. So say it again for me, please. Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Ah, nice. So you, you went to school out of state or out of country? Out of state. Uh, Massachusetts is pretty close to Connecticut. Actually, in my um, town back home, if you go down my street and take a right, not even a block, you're in Connecticut. So I was right on the border. No way. Did you have to pay out-of-state tuition? I did. I, I got some scholarship, but I also took on some loans. This was, this was um, back in 2009 or 2007 is when I graduated high school. So it wasn't as crazy as it is now, um, although it was still pretty crazy. So did you finish college? I know you started a business while you were in college. Did that, did you take like the Zuckerberg route once you started making some money online? No, I actually, so my parents were both teachers. So dropping out of college wasn't really an option. <laughs> I, uh, I stayed in, I, I kind of used it in my backup plan. I've never really used it, um, but I actually loved college. I mean, I met some of my lifelong friends in college. I learned a lot about um, not just business, but also just being on your own and about yourself and um, just learning how to survive on your own. For me, that was very important. Now, did I get a, an ROI on the amount of money that I took out in college loans? Probably not. I was fortunate enough to be able to pay those back using my business that I started in college. Um, but overall, I mean, I wouldn't trade those four years for anything. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Although I remember being told that I was going to make my best friends in college, but I've my best friends are probably more from high school than college. And I think that's, that can be attributed to how easy it is to stay in contact nowadays. Does that make sense? Like, do you still have high school friends just because it's so easy to contact them on Facebook or whatever? Yeah, for, for some reason, I think I'm closer with my college friends than my high school friends. I feel like when you're in high school, you don't really know who you are and, and what you're going to be. I feel like college, it might be a better representation for that. Maybe I just changed more than the average person. <laughs> um, but for me, I, I think I'm much closer to my college friends. So what'd you study? Uh, entrepreneurship. It was actually a brand new major there. And I remember, um, so they, they took all the business students and they put them in an auditorium and they had all the, the head of each department go up on stage. And the finance person told you why you should take finance. And the economics person told you why economics was important. And the entrepreneurial person got up there and it was the first year of the program. And all she said was, if you ever want financial freedom, if you ever want life freedom, the only way to do it is to be an entrepreneur. And then she just walked off, <laughs> dropped the mic. <laughs> and, 
that just really resonated with me. And then for and then I majored in entrepreneurship. I, I quickly went from undeclared to an entrepreneurship major with a, a minor in, in IT. And um, yeah, that, that was that. That sounds really good. I would have done the same thing. When I was in school, there was no entrepreneurship program. There was no sales program. We had one class because the dean of the department was a former Maytag salesman. He had a sales 101 type class. And probably the most benefit that I got from my entire time in college outside of balancing, playing baseball and going to school was this interactive thing that he had us do, the sales call that he had us do, where it gave me like my only sales experience. And he did that as part of the final. And if, like I said, like that was the most beneficial thing. And I still rely on some of the things that I learned in that interaction in what I'm doing today. I mean, it's just amazing. So like, to give you an example, he wanted us to build rapport and we got graded on that. And so it's always in the back of my mind, if I ever meet someone for the first time, like before that, I've never met you and we got on the call and I'm like, hey man, what do you enjoy? What are your hobbies outside of work? And so what I'm trying to do is identify with you and find common ground, you know? So I learned that in that class. I mean, it may have come naturally, I don't know, but, but that's so cool that you had an entrepreneurship program. And I notice a lot more colleges are offering that sort of thing. So that's really cool. Yeah, I think it must be so tough because even the stuff we were learning was outdated. I mean, I was getting into e-commerce and no one was teaching e-commerce. No one was talking about e-commerce. And within a year or two, e-commerce had taken over everything. So for me, I mean, learning learning how to make a balance sheet and, and how to manage people and, and different stuff like that, different philosophies and overall business knowledge was good, the foundations. But the the stuff that you're learning is never going to be up to date with what's going on in the real world. That's a great point. When I was in college, which was 2000 to 2003, we didn't even use computers. <laughs> Our assignments were not online. I, I had just gotten my first email address. So anything that I would have learned in college would have been obsolete within a few years. And I went to work in software, which I never thought I would because I didn't have a computer until 2002, I got my stepdad's um, old laptop. As I said a few minutes ago, many people dream about starting an online business. Tell me about that first e-commerce business that you started out of your dorm room. Yeah, so I mentioned my, my parents were both teachers. So I always grew up with that mentality that I was going to go to college, get a real job, work for 40 years, retire, and, and that was going to be my life. And so I had these summer jobs. I would work 40 to 50 hours a week. All my friends were outside playing. And I, I really learned a lot about sales and customer service and managing people. But I also learned how much I just hated working for other people. So when I got to college, I kind of looked at it as a, a ticking clock. I had four years to start my own business or else I was going to go into the real world and maybe never get out. So I started hustling. I started buying and selling people's textbooks. And I created a little referral program. Before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I actually got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because <laughs> I was stealing too much of their business from the, the school bookstore. So I, I had sold some books on Amazon. This was back in 2008. I know you said 2006, but there's actually 2008. And Amazon was just bursting onto the scene. No one really knew what Amazon was. They were kind of this big bookstore. And I thought it was so cool. I could have this 24-7 storefront that could run even when I was sleeping. And I just had to figure out what products to sell. I, I couldn't sell books anymore. So I started experimenting with 
outdoor products, video games, computers, typical college guy stuff. And I just failed over and over and over. It, it, it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry really by mistake that I finally started getting traction and getting some sales. So all of a sudden, baby products took off and I'm making more money than I'd ever made in, in my entire life. And I meet with an accountant. I should probably start paying taxes. So I set up a meeting. And the first question the accountant asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're, they're going to hurt my business. Pretty standard entrepreneurial excuses. And he just laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Meanwhile, my, my business keeps growing and I get to the fourth quarter. My, my first fourth quarter holiday season, I am not prepared. It's only me and I get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. I'm answering every email changing every pricing, every inventory, stuff's going out of stock, and I go crazy. And, and somehow, I make it through to January, and I think to myself, man, I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people. So I'm 20. I've got this e-commerce business. I know nothing about hiring. I post a job on Facebook, and this guy in my business law class responds, and he says, I don't know what you do. I need a job. I say, you're hired. Didn't even interview. And he ends up being this unbelievable hire. He's hardworking. He really knows what he's doing. And I eventually make him the business partner of my Amazon business. He's co-owner of Free Up with me. We've worked together for, man, seven, eight years now, maybe nine. So I hit jackpot in the first hire. And there I am as this punk 20-year-old thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job on Facebook, someone shows up and you make more money. Your job becomes easier. Your life becomes easier. And I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire, really hurting me and stalling my business. And I eventually come up with a good hiring process. I turned to remote hiring because it was too hard as a 21-year-old to, to find people in person. And I use the Upworks. I use the Fibers. And I find some okay people, pretty good people. Some people still with me today. But it just took forever for me to post a job and get 50 people to apply and interview them one by one. And I kept wanting a better, faster way. So. Three years ago, I had the idea to build my own platform, FreeUp, where we pre-vet people. You don't have to browse. You just put in a request, and, and we fill it with great 24-7 support on the back end and a no turnover guarantee because turnover kills businesses. So if someone quits, we cover replacement costs. And I launched that with $5,000, and we've scaled it from there. So that's really how I went from a broke college kid to starting my e-commerce business to eventually the idea for the FreeUp Marketplace. Dude, that is a great story. <laughs> and uh, you covered a lot there. Let me see if I can dig into this a little bit. So you're like me. I, I don't like people telling me what to do. <laughs> for that reason, I think it's tough for me to have a boss. So have you ever had a boss? I've, I've never had a real job after college. I had two internships slash jobs. Um, one of the Aaron Corporation, which is kind of like a rent-a-center. And the other one with... Uh, uh, Firestone, the tire company, I was a sales intern. But outside of that, and, and some like summer umpiring jobs, I, I've never had a real job. It reminds me of, I heard someone say one time that Donald Trump communicates the way he does. He, he talks like someone who's never had a boss. <laughs> so 30 or 40 years from now, you and I may be talking like Donald Trump, who knows. But uh, I always feel like nobody is going to hold me to a higher standard than I'm going to hold myself. And so I think that guys like us are destined for entrepreneurship, don't you think? 
I, I definitely do. I mean, with some caveats, I, I, I've kind of learned that that doesn't necessarily mean you can say whatever you want whenever you want. There, there are some consequences to doing that in terms of not motivating people and turnover and stuff like that. And um, but, but I totally agree. I mean, at some point as an entrepreneur, you, you have to just stop caring what people think about you. I, people thought I was crazy when I was listing baby products. I would sit in the back of class and people would give me weird looks because I was listing baby products on Amazon and no one knew what I was doing. No one understood it. And everyone else was out there trying to get their degree to, to get a real job. And I mean, things just happen. So for, for me, you kind of have to figure out what you care about and what you don't care about as a person and, and be, be okay with the consequences of those decisions. I love that. Yeah. And I like, it's funny that you said you found your business partner on, was it Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. So I found my assistant on Facebook, on a Craigslist post. And when he sent me his resume, I said, don't you think you're overqualified? And he said, don't you think that benefits you? <laughs> I was like, let's meet at Starbucks. And sure enough, I hired him that day. My wife's job, her first job out of college, she was a concierge at a high rise in Houston. And she's a very hardworking woman and was looking for a job in addition to the job that she had to supplement her income. And so she replied to a Craigslist ad uh, for a gym. She was going to work the front desk. And that's how I met her. I was a member at that gym. And so, yeah, don't underestimate the power of a job posting online. <laughs> so I want to ask you, what do you look for in a partner? Like, do you still have to find employees to work for your company? And what, what do you think makes a good business partner? Do they have to have skills that complement yours? Or do you look for somebody who's like-minded? How do you think about that? Yeah, great question. I mean, I'm fortunate enough where I haven't had to find another business partner. I, I've worked with Connor so long, it, it almost makes me scared to add in another business partner because I've heard horror stories and we've worked together so well. I mean, for, for us, we, we are very different people. We, we have opposite skill sets in life. We, we kind of care about slightly different things in terms of our hobbies and our passions. Um, I'm much more of a short-term thinker, systems, processes, sales, customer service. He's much more of a long-term thinker, behind the scenes, development, marketing, content. And, and so for me, what matters is that we have the same core values and beliefs. We both believe in treating people well and running a lean business and customer service and not screwing people over and, and, and all like the high value stuff that for me, I care about as a business partner. So for me, that's important. I don't want to work with the exact clone of myself. We'd probably drop, drive each other crazy. I want to work with someone that has complementary skills, but still cares about the same things as me. Because if we don't care about the same things, nothing else matters. We're, we're going to fight. We're not going to get along. So for me, that's what I look for. And I mean, the other question about employees, we don't have any employees in our company. We're entirely remote. We only hire virtual assistants in the Philippines from our own platform to um, do all the day-to-day -day operations. All the high-level stuff, our blog, our Facebook ads is all freelancers in the U.S. that we're just one of their many other clients. So for, for us, we really practice what we preach and we hire people from our own platform. And that same vetting for skill, attitude, and communication that, that we care about before we get on the free up marketplace, we care about that for our internal team. We want people who are not just in it for the paycheck and they're passionate about what they can do and they can get feedback and, and they're, not, they're, they're honest about what they can and cannot do and they can communicate at a very high level. So we, we really practice what we preach across the board. I was going to ask where the, the folks that you hire or, or connect with business owners come from. Have you been to the Philippines? 
I've been one time. So our platform's about 40% US, 40% Philippines, 20% scattered. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we are right now. I mean, we get about 2,000, 3,000 applicants a week from all over the world. And we let people in regardless of where they are. That's just kind of how we're set up now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we, I personally love working with people from the Philippines. I, I think when I first started hiring VAs, my first few hires were from the Philippines and they started telling other people about me. And now I kind of have this huge network in the Philippines um, who know who we are and who free up are or who are on our platform. So I went to the Philippines. We, we set an hours goal. If we hit 5,000 build hours in one week and now we're over 16,000. But this was a few years ago. We said, hey, if we hit 5,000, we would throw a party in the Philippines and a conference and People will, um, people can come if they want to. And we had over a hundred people show up. This was back when we didn't have that many freelancers on the platform and it was a lot of fun. And now we said, if we get 20,000, that will, uh, that will go back again. So I'm looking forward to doing that. That's cool. I, I have a tour services business that I operate a few times a year where I'll go to Europe and tour people around places like Prague and Bratislava and Budapest and Vienna. I don't offer that service across the Pacific. But just to give people an idea, because I've been, I've traveled so much and my name is Man Overseas, so I try to give people tips here and there. Um, what I would do if I was going to the Philippines for a vacation or something, I would fly into Manila and then from Manila, I would take a short flight to Puerto Princesa and then there's a van that will take you to El Nido. It's on the island of Palawan. You fly into Puerto Princesa, take a van for about four or five hours north to El Nido, and you will think you entered into heaven. It is unbelievably beautiful. And I often forget that when people ask me, what's the, what's the most beautiful place I've been? I usually say South Africa or the highlands of Scotland or Croatia, but El Nido in the Philippines is gorgeous. Which part did you visit when you went? I, I'm going to Croatia actually in a few weeks. It's funny you said that, but oh, wow. um, yeah, I started in Manila and then we went to one of the islands. I don't, I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Oh, cool. So are you going to Dubrovnik? Um, I'm actually, so I'm going to baby bathwater, which is an event where they rent out an island and I go and hang out on the island with a bunch of high level entrepreneurs. So Whoa, um, dude. I don't know where the island is. Oh, maybe it's Havar. That's a really popular island. That's where like Leo DiCaprio and Beyonce and all those folks have been. So they have a much lower standard of living in the Philippines. Does that give them more opportunity? Like, do you feel good about providing them opportunities to, you know, increase their standard of living, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, we paid out $7 million to freelancers around the world last year. So um, it's definitely something I'm proud of. When I was there, people were showing me their houses and their cars. And um, it, it's always cool to, to give back to a country that, that sometimes struggles. So um, yeah. it's definitely something I'm proud of. In my research for this podcast, I know that you receive hundreds of freelancer applicants each week to join your marketplace. Do you interview and vet them yourself? I don't personally vet them. I have a team that does. And now, now it's thousands. I mean, we get over 2,000 applicants a week. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're vetting them for skill, attitude, and communication like I, I talked about before. And we have a whole team of people that, that does interviews all day, every day. So, if a gal was like top 4%, you, you wouldn't take her? <laughs> we accept one out of every hundred applicants on our platform. Wow. So you must get a lot of riffraff. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we know what we're looking for. We know what's going to be a good fit on our platform. So we're, we're pretty good at figuring out who, who belongs and who doesn't. And just because someone doesn't get in, they're, they're not banned for life. They can always reapply. So you have a serious drive to build and grow and succeed. Where, where does that motivation come from? 
It's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very passionate about being an entrepreneur. Money doesn't really drive me. It's more about building. I, I love solving problems. I love helping people. I love kind of building something that's sustainable, that, that's bigger than me, that brings other people to the top along with me. And it, every day is motivating. When you have a, a tough week, like last week, our software broke on, on a billing day and we had to fix it and it, we had to process a lot of stuff manually and, and everything's fine, but you get frustrated and then you wake up the next day and, and you're like, Hey, it's not about me. It's for, for the greater good. So for me, that motivates me. Yeah. Is there anything that you do to maintain high energy levels? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a high energy person. I, I'm not sure it's something you could teach. It's natural. Yeah. Are you a coffee drinker? I drink one cup of coffee every morning. I notice a lot of marketing folks have high energy. Folks like Ryan Holiday or Gary Vaynerchuk is off the charts in terms of energy. Is there anybody that has influenced you in terms of marketing? Honestly, no. I'm one of those people that I'm always trying. I like to figure things out for myself. I don't really follow a track. I mean, when I got on Amazon, no one else was doing Amazon. When, uh, when I started, when everyone started doing Amazon and got saturated, I got out of Amazon and here I am building a freelancer marketplace while everyone's out there selling courses and building agencies and stuff like that. So for me, I, I, I like to not follow the norm and do trial and error and figure things out for myself, but that's just my personality. Yeah. It's a really interesting business. So your company connects business owners with virtual assistants. Can you talk about the value of a virtual assistant? Um, yeah, I mean, it's all about freeing up your time. As an entrepreneur, you need to focus on high-level tasks and things that, that really grow your business, sales, expansion, marketing. And the average entrepreneur is not only not doing that, they're stuck in the day-to-day operations of their business, but they also have only one to three core competencies. So for they, a lot of times people are doing things outside of their, their strengths and, and that can really hurt your business. So for me, hiring a VA has been game changer. People can monitor my emails, my Skype and do small tasks and teach them the process of my business so I can focus on the sales and the expansion and the big picture stuff. Yeah. There's another marketer that I didn't mention, Seth Godin. He would be more laid back. I don't know. Are you familiar with Seth Godin? Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a book called All Marketers Are Liars that I enjoyed. And he wrote another one called The Icarus Deception that I read recently. And I'm always reading books about marketing because I think it's where I'm lacking. So maybe I should hire a virtual assistant to help me with that. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want one, I'll hook you up. (laughs) Cool. The podcast, the description of the podcast is self-development and financial independence and other life lessons learned through study and observation. So I want to switch gears to financial independence and and the money side of life. Do you pay yourself a salary? Definitely. Yeah. And does it stay the same year after year? Are you intentional about increasing your lifestyle? How How do you think about managing your, your money and your income? My income is completely dependent on how the business does month after month. We get a monthly report. I make a percentage of that. My business partner makes a percentage of that and that's it. So it completely depends on what the business is. We have a certain percentage that, that stays within the business for emergency money and different investments that, that we want to make. And um, that's that. In terms of my lifestyle, I mean, I'm a pretty lean and frugal person. I, I, I mean, I bought, I have a condo that, that I own that I have got a, a nice car, nothing too crazy. And I, I pretty much live within my means. I'm not someone to just go out and buy like three Ferraris or, or anything like that. So for, for me, I, I can pretty much within reason buy what I want and be where I want and travel where I want whenever I want. And you, I, I don't kind of go all out for all like on a week to week basis here and there. I'll treat myself to stuff like we talked about Croatia and stuff like that. And 
my girlfriend and I are big foodies, so we love to travel and, and experience new things, but I, I don't need a, a 100% luxury lifestyle to, to be happy in life. Yeah. So do you try to live on a set amount of money, say 5000 or 8000 or whatever it is? Yeah. I mean, I budget. I make sure that, that I know what I'm spending. I'm a big fan of saving with CDs and the stock market and real estate and, and different ways to, to preserve money over time, retirement accounts. So I'm much more of a saver than a spender across the board. Yeah. I find that's pretty common among entrepreneurs. If you're going to be, if you're going to have a profit and loss for your business, you might as well. I mean, it's almost natural to have one for your personal finances. So you do invest outside of funding your own business. Do you, do you have like a, a, an IRA or a 401k or I guess you wouldn't yeah, have a 401k. I have a bunch of different investment accounts that, that okay. I constantly put money into. Okay. And how often do you look at the financials of your business or even your own personal net worth statement? Uh, probably once a month. Once a month? Maybe more if, if something crazy happens, but usually once a month. Do you, are you someone who purchases individual stocks or do you stick to index funds, mutual funds and real estate, that kind of thing? Both. I own individual stocks. I bought Apple and Amazon way back in the day, which were some yeah. pretty good investments. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I bought Amazon quite a while ago, but Apple, I was late to the game. And the, the only reason I bought some Apple is when my wife and I married in May 18, we were using, she had an Apple watch. We both had MacBook Pros. We both had iPhones. And I'm a big proponent of buying, just taking a look around you and buying what it is that people are using. So when I was in software, I was selling software for a Microsoft database platform called SQL Server. And so I bought some Microsoft stock and everybody in the office was using salesforce.com. And so I bought some Salesforce. At home, everybody was next Netflix and chilling. So I bought some Netflix. So I'm just a huge proponent of just, hey, look around you and invest in the things that you use and you like. So I didn't get into Apple stock until May of 2018. But Apple is something that I don't recommend individual stocks at all. I don't recommend purchasing them. It's very risky. But if you are going to take a risk on individual stocks, and I recommend that people do or, or at least find a somewhat risky investment as an individual stock is and don't invest more than 10% of your net worth in it. But I do think that you should take some, some risk, especially when you're young and you have a long time horizon and you usually have a rising income when you're in your 20s and early 30s. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a proponent of that. And, and as far as Apple is concerned, Warren Buffett owns 75 million shares of Apple. It's the stock that he owns more of than any other stock. And you can pretty much trust that he has thoroughly investigated the company if he's going to buy that much of one stock. So again, I don't recommend stocks, but I will share that I am a shareholder, as are you. That's awesome that you got in earlier. I wish I had to. Um, <laughs> answer this question for me. If someone dropped $200,000 on your doorstep tomorrow, what would you do with it? Yeah, I'd probably invest it. Yeah, all of it in the business or in, in where would you invest it? Um, I probably wouldn't invest it in the business just because we're very cash flow positive. We don't really need it. Like a $200,000 investment wouldn't really do anything. Um, but I mean, I'd probably save half of it in more conservative stuff like CDs, bonds, mutual funds. And then the other half, I'd probably go risky and try. Although with this stock market, who knows, might wait a little bit. Um, I'd also probably put some of it into real estate as well. Okay. And you're a fan of investing in real estate? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's definitely something that, that I do in some different capacities and it's something that I'm going to continue to do more and more of as we go. I mean, what my plan is to keep upgrading my place every few years and just renting out the old one. Mm. I did that too. I, I rent out the first condo I ever bought in 2002. I paid $80,000 for it and I only lived in it for four or five years, and I was doing what was called house hacking, where I had a roommate to help pay for at least half the mortgage, and then paid it off by my 26th birthday, and then, yeah, I, you and I are so much alike, man, it's crazy. <laughs> I want to ask I some fun, quick questions, and your answers don't need to be quick, but do you have a favorite blog that maybe people haven't heard of, something sort of under the radar? Um, honestly, I'm not a big blogger. I'm probably the wrong person to, to ask that. I mean, we've got the free up blog, but I'm not someone who spends a lot of time on other people's blogs. Okay. Do you read, read books a lot? I've read a good amount of books. I probably read a few books a year. I'm not, I'm not a crazy reader. Like my, my business partner, Connor reads like a book a week or something crazy like that. <laughs> um, for me, I, I, I don't, I'm not a huge reader. I'll do audio books and, and I'll watch the news and different YouTube videos and stuff like that. But for me to, to read a book a week or anything like that, that's not something that I do. So if you were to pick up a book tomorrow, what kind of book would you read? Yeah, I enjoy business books. Anything about scaling and developing businesses with different strategies, things that I can apply with tactics in real time is something I really enjoy. Okay. Do you have one that you would recommend? Yeah, Start With Why is a great one. The, the Zappos book, um, building a business around customer service is, is key, especially nowadays where you can't compete with all the big businesses over everything, but you always can over customer service. And it's still the foundation of every business. So if you haven't read that and you're getting into entrepreneurship, I definitely recommend checking it out. That is Simon Sinek, right? Start With Why. Did I say start with why? Uh, I meant to say pursuing happiness. I said the Zappos book. Um, uh, start with why is a great book too that I strongly recommend. And that I read that too. Um, but I meant to say the Zappos book, Pursuit of Happiness. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. I've read Simon Sinek's book, but not Pursuit of Happiness. Who wrote that book? Zapp Zappos? Delivering Happiness. I'm messing oh. it up. I'm a little <laughs> off today. It's called Delivering Happiness. Okay. Cool. I'll check them both out. Uh, what app do you love that maybe people have never heard of? <laughs> um, I just got this new app. Let me grab the name real quick. Um, it allows you to have canned responses on your phone. Um, it is called, it's called Wordboard. It's fantastic. So I, I, I end up saying the same thing a lot of time just because things don't change. There's a process for this. This is how we do billing. This is how I answer certain questions. So I have a lot of canned responses. Responses. So I can save them all on my phone. So instead of having to go to a notepad and copy paste, I can just click a button and it automatically puts the canned response into the text, into the email, into the Facebook message. It's super efficient. And what's it called again? Sorry. Wordboard. Wordboard. Okay. And you can find it in the Apple iStore? Yep. I think it's like a dollar. <laughs> oh, okay. So you actually paid for it. Is, do, you, do you have other apps that you've paid for? Um, usually, no. I'm a big fan of free apps. I mean, even on the computer, I use like Skype, Trello, a lot of free tools. That one was a, was a good one. Um, Voxer is a good app. There's a paid version and a non-paid version. I use the non-paid, but a lot of my clients use the paid one. You can send like walkie-talkie messages pretty quick. It's pretty good. Voxer, V-O-X-E-R? Yep. Okay. Who would be best to play you in a movie? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know if there's any actor that, that would fit me. I'm a pretty unique person. Do you travel for work? 
I do. I, I go to conferences. I just got back. Oh, I'm going to Vegas for a conference soon. Um, I just got back from Miami. Um, I usually once a month or every other month I'm going somewhere. Business class? I don't do business class. I'm pretty like cheap and frugal. I really don't spend money on things unless I, unless I have to, I usually save and invest. Um, even stuff when I'm traveling, like I'll start an a I'll stay at an Airbnb over a hotel to save a hundred bucks any day of the week. Yeah. We're the same way. We stay in Airbnbs for 30 days at a time. That way we can rent for a thousand dollars a month or less big fan of Airbnb. I don't know what I'd do without it. Yeah, I love Airbnb. Cool. What country have you visited that you really want to go back to? Costa Rica. Man, I love Costa Rica. Me too. I've, I've been to Costa Rica probably eight times. Which, which part do you like most? I haven't been there in a while. I, I'm not good at remembering exact towns. Um, the other place that I just love visiting is Europe. I, fr- I have family in England, love going to, to France. And I mean, there's so much to, to explore there. Yeah. Yeah. If you need any tips on Dubrovnik, let me know. I, I spent quite a bit of time there too. I'm not Dubrovnik, but just Croatia in general. I could tell you how to get to Mostar and Zagreb and Split and then take the, um, the boat to Havar. Do you, are you going to have time for, for fun or is it just all the, that one island? I mean, I know the island is going to be fun, but are you, are you spending a couple of weeks there or just like five days? What, what's your plan? It's just that island. There's no other traveling there. Oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go a little deeper. How old are you? I'm 30. 30. Okay. Are you married? I just got engaged a month ago. Oh, dude, congratulations. So you're not used to saying the word fiance yet. No, I'm slowly adding it to my vocabulary. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is weird. It's, it's an adjustment because I didn't marry for the first time until I was well a month before my 38th birthday. So yeah, I mean, you go through life using the word girlfriend and then they throw a new word into the mix that has an axe, a little French accent on it, and you feel a little pretentious using it, right? I heard you say the word girlfriend earlier. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Cool. So, when are you getting married? I haven't figured that out yet. We, I, yeah, we still have to figure out all the dates. There's a lot of planning that goes into it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know that. Don't let it stress you out, bro. <laughs> um, here's a, a deeper question. Since you're entering your 30s, what story do you hope to tell your grandkids about your 30s? about my thirties. Good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope to, man, that's a great question. You're asking the wrong person. Cause I'm much more of a, of a short term thinker. Um, for, for me, I guess the 30 is all about like setting up your life, getting married, probably upgrading to a new house in a backyard, um, figuring out my parents are, are getting older, figuring out a way for them to be closer and, and spend more time for, with us. And hopefully it's 10 really great years. So that's kind of what I want to be able to tell my kids. That's cool. That's a good answer. Just two more. How, well, let me ask you this first. What are you most grateful for? I'm almost grateful for two just amazing parents. I mean, they taught me finance at a young age. They, they always treated me well and supported me no matter what crazy decisions I, I would make. They always wanted me to be successful. They brought nothing but love and caring. And um, they're, they're, they're still my, my go-to for advice. And I'm very, very fortunate to, to have two people that supportive and to have them knock on wood that being healthy up to this point. That's a great answer. I haven't had anybody say that their parents or what they're most grateful for. So how can people find out more about you? 
Yeah, go to freeup.com with three E's. Uh, you can create a free account. Um, mention this podcast, get a $25 credit to try us out. My calendar's right at the top. If you want to book a meeting with me, you can check out the free up blog, the free up YouTube channel, and our Facebook group, Outsourcing Masters. Freeup.com. Why three E's? Um, yeah, two E's was taken. It originally stood <laughs> for e commerce, but now that we do a lot more than e commerce, I don't know, I'm just kind of stuck. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Nate. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. I never take it lightly that you've chosen to spend your time with us. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would give us a review on iTunes. That's what helps people to find the show. Then we can positively impact more people. Also, if you'd like to follow my adventures on Instagram, I am at man underscore overseas. And my Twitter is the same. Thank you, folks. 